0: I'm Chandler Strawn with Chandler Strawn Farms in Dorchester, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today,
0: Carrie Martin. Hello Texas, hope you are recovering well from a great Christmas weekend. Jump on in with me, buckle up, and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, what's up next for Texas Panhandle wheat growers affected by the recent windstorm? We'll check in with one farmer in the Groom, Texas area to see what his plans are coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Carrie Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the trans pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
2: It appears that more Texas High Plains farmers are becoming persuaded to plant cover crops. And our brutal winds are a major motivation for that i'm james hunt and i'll have that story on texas ag today
3: concho valley cotton farmers received timely rainfall this past summer to help produce a good crop in 2021 i'm tom nicoletti and i'll have
0: that story on texas ag today
4: well it's pruning time in texas please join me john Begnos. we give a little background on the proper way to prune trees in texas
0: We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The recent windstorm in the Texas panhandle did some serious damage to many wheat fields there. Jesse Wieners of Groom is one of those farmers who lost a crop. So what comes next for his fields? He says one thing's for sure. He isn't replanting at this point.
4: If we went in and planted wheat now after it all blew out, then... One, it's not going to come up until we get moisture. It's not The seed's not even going to germinate. Two, the guys who could get it up with irrigation don't have the system to put water out anymore. And on top of that, we have a supply chain issue. So if, say, I needed to get parts for my center pivot right now, it's going to be six months before I can get the parts for it. If I need to get Gosh. a new system, it's going to be a year out. So this one storm is going to be something that's going to be a long-term effect, just not on wheat, but possibly... On corn and other crops.
0: We're still waiting to see some official estimates of the extent of the losses caused by that storm. Texas A&M is getting a grant from USDA to help farmers in Central America.
5: The U.S. Department of Agriculture has allocated half a million dollars to a Texas university so that it can establish programs to help communities in Guatemala meet their food and fiber needs. The half a million dollars will go to Texas A&M University's Norman Borlaug Institute so that they may establish and teach school-based programs in Guatemala through FAS's International Agricultural Education Fellowship Program. Using the funding, the Borlaug Institute will recruit, train, and deploy up to nine fellows from the United States to serve as educators and extension agents in the 2022-2023 school year. They'll incorporate classroom instruction, field demonstrations, entrepreneurship projects, and leadership development to help meet the food and fiber needs in Guatemala. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel.
0: Packer capacity has been a big topic of discussion this year, as many believe a lack of shackle space has kept the lid on fed kettle prices. So will we see an expansion of capacity in the packing industry in the coming year? Texas & m livestock economist David Anderson says we probably will, but it will be a result of a smaller supply of cattle you know I think we may see some easing of that as uh, you know supplies decline a little bit, uh, that means the available capacity we have is better able to handle those cattle numbers, and we get we 're seeing some higher prices as our cattle numbers are a little bit lower that helps helps ease the burden on that capacity side and and allows those prices to jump up like they have. Anderson says we should also see some expanded packing capacity being built over the next year or so, and that should help the price situation also. It appears that more Texas High Plains farmers are deciding to plant cover crops. James Hunt tells us the brutal High Plains winds are one big reason
2: for that. We've been having some fearsome winds across the Texas High Plains in recent weeks, causing some terrible wildfires and doing considerable damage to much of our area wheat. But brutal winds are nothing new to our region, and Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell says, concerns about what wind can do appears to be a big reason why more of our area farmers have become encouraged to plant cover crops.
6: Coming out of 2020, and especially that severe windstorm that we had in June 2020 that caused a lot of crop loss, producers were really thinking about that as they moved into this year, especially in cotton production. How are they going to minimize early season wind injury to cotton and also just keep that crop protected and really allow it to get off to a good, strong start? So we are seeing more producers proactively think about how they are going to manage their residue as well as incorporating cover crops and that really is just a steady trend that we're seeing across this region. And that's great to see because when we talk about the value of that, it's not just protecting the seedlings but protecting their soil and minimizing the erosion from that soil.
2: And for any of you cotton farmers who would like to know more about how cover crops can benefit you, that will be among the topics of an upcoming AgriLife Online program. Dr. Jordan Bell is scheduled to join other panelists in a discussion of how to get a cotton crop off to a great start. That program will be offered via Zoom on February 23rd. Contact AgriLife Extension for more details about that program. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
0: Timely rainfall helped this year's Concho Valley cotton crop. Tom Nicoletti has the story. Cotton farmers in West Central Texas harvested a fairly good crop this year. Producer Bill Ballou farms in the town of Winters in Runnels County.
3: Our crop was above average. We had a good crop. Quality's been good. Gens are behind, but they're getting knocked out. We're very blessed this year. It's our first good crop in three years. A very nice change. Good crop. How many bales per acre? I call our crop this year a bale and a half crop. There's some a little under. There's some a little over. I think our range is running right now about a bale and a quarter to a little over two bales acre. And what do you think was uh, the contributing factor to having that good crop this year? We finally got an August rain. We hadn't had an August rain in uh, three years, and that's the most beneficial factor in in our area, and probably uh, you could say – From the dryland belt north, a dryland cotton crop is going to depend on an August rain if you can have one started. So that's good news, but obviously uh, you, like other cotton farmers and and farmers of other crops, have endured uh, high input costs this year. So that's the uh, flip side of everything. Yes, sir. Going forward into the 21-22 crop year, uh, things are really expensive. My diesel is doubled, fertilizer's doubled, parts are very hard to come by. We've had to drive a lot of miles to find them if you can find them. It's been a challenge and we've got a challenge going forward on supply, being able to afford what we can uh, put into our crop. But certainly, commodity prices, cotton prices are up for producers, so that's uh, the bright side. If we were looking at 65-cent cotton, it would be a pretty sad day right now, but thank goodness we got this one produced and out of the field and, and got a, a great price for it. We're looking forward to 21-22. We just need Mother Nature to cooperate.
0: That is Reynolds County cotton farmer Bill Ballew. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. This is a good time to prune trees here in Texas. San Angelo horticulturalist John Begno has some winter pruning advice.
4: At this time of year in December, we're into pruning season the trees are going dormant large shrubs are going dormant that means it's a great time to prune because you're not going to be removing a lot of actively growing plant material that might be producing food and keeping plants strong so a couple of things to remember is first of all if you're going to be pruning trees whether you're going to do it yourself or hire somebody look for hazards and dangers things that When limbs might fall, they would damage property or injure people. And after the freeze of last February, we might have some stretched limbs, those that might be cracked or broken, and may position themselves to cause damage to property or to people. Those should be addressed right now. This is the first step you do when you're pruning trees is to kind of do an evaluation. How hardy is the tree? And a good example is if they have not recovered from prees and they're near dead, well, then you prune them off even with the ground. You may not want to try to save something that's not going to recover and be a safe tree and a healthy tree in your landscape. So that's the first thing. We're always looking for structural reasons to remove limbs. Remember, when you cut them off, you're not putting them back. Cosmetic is something that sometimes overrules the structural rule for pruning, people want things to look nice and very pleasant. And that's actually the last thing you do. You try to shape the tree based on the needs for maybe increasing sunlight or removing damaged or diseased limbs. And then you take the opportunity to clean that pruning job up a little bit with cosmetic pruning. Remember, because of oak wilt, this is a great time to prune if you're in oak wilt country. Pruning paint is not necessary. Research from universities has shown that. An exception might be if you're in an oak wilt area and you suspect that there's spread possible that you might use pruning paint on some of your larger cuts. And also remember that you want to limit your overall pruning of limbs, those limbs above ground, one third, no more, because if you do, you can cause irreparable damage by pruning too much from trees. This is John Begner reporting from San Angelo.
5: There is still time for Texans to donate to a program that helps provide protein to families in need. I'm Jessica Domal and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today.
0: And there are lots of causes of fetal loss in cattle. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
1: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There
0: are a lot of things that can cause fetal loss in cattle. Dr. Bob Judd says one that you don't hear a lot about was diagnosed recently at the Texas A&M Veterinary Medical Diagnostic Lab.
8: A midterm mummified fetus was examined at the lab And a protozoan organism called Neosporocaninum was found in the brain of the fetus by PCR testing. Neosporocaninum is an intracellular parasite that was first reported as a cause of abortion in cattle over 35 years ago, but can also cause mummification of the fetus, as was in this case weak calves or clinically normal calves that can transmit the infection. Some dairy herds have reported that up to 35% of their cows have aborted due to Neosporo, but can typically be up to 10% in many herds. So this is a significant cause of bovine abortion, and the dog is the intermediate and definitive host of the parasite. Cattle can be tested for antibodies in the blood to determine if they have been exposed to the parasite, but this does not indicate that the abortion or a weak calf was due to Neosporo. The best diagnostic test is a PCR test, and the advantage of this test is that the test can be performed on almost any tissue as it looks for genetic material. There are many abortions in cattle that are non-infectious due to trauma or other metabolic or nutritional factors, and unfortunately, most abortions are not diagnosed, even if tissues are sent to the lab. However, that does not mean we should not send off tissues, as if an infection is present, it's important to know that. Lots of folks wait after an abortion before sending tissues to the lab and see if more abortions occur. And although I understand the reasoning due to expensive lab testing, if many abortions follow, we will wish testing would have been performed on the first case. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
0: There is still time for Texans to donate to a program that provides protein for families in need. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report.
5: There is still time to help families in need through the Hunters for the Hungry program. The program allows hunters to donate a harvested quarter deer to a food processor within the program so the meat may be given to a local food bank. But donating a deer isn't the only way that you can help. Jamie Olson from Feeding Texas joins us with more.
9: There's a few ways to donate monetarily to the program. If you are a hunter when you buy your hunting and fishing license, there's a checkoff box to donate to Hunters for the Hungry. You simply just check the box and choose the amount that you'd like to donate at the time of the purchase of your license. For those of you who aren't hunters, you can visit feedingtexas.org and there's a, a button to click to donate directly on our website.
5: Those donations are used to help offset the cost to processors of processing donated deer. Olson said that the venison donations to food banks are important, as many food banks do not receive meat and other proteins quite as often as they receive non-perishable items.
9: Protein is essential for a healthy diet and protein is also one of the most expensive items for our food bank to source. And you're right, you know, we don't get it donated very often like we do canned goods or other non-perishable items. So Hunters for the Hungry really provides healthy, lean protein to families in need at zero cost to the food bank. You can
5: donate and learn more about the program at feedingtexas.org. That's feedingtexas.org. You can click on Solutions and then the link that says Hunters for the Hungry. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domo.
0: We saw mostly lower trade in the cattle market to kick off the week on Monday, but cotton and corn jumped sharply higher. We'll take a look at all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
7: It's been a tough year. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org stress
1: to learn more. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today.
0: We saw mostly lower trade to kick off the week in the cattle market on Monday. We finished lower on all except the nearby December live cattle contract. It was up 25 cents, 137.30. Everything else lower, February live cattle down 35, 139.27. The April down 25 cents. 143.67. Same story in the feeder market. January feeder cattle down 105, 162.40. March feeders down 47, 163.27. April feeder cattle down 45 cents, 166.92. Cash Fed Cattle Market, all quiet on Monday. We wrapped up last week selling fed cattle here in the Southern Plains in a range of 133.5 to 136. Most of our cattle sold at 135 last week. Boxed beef was mixed on Monday. Choice down 12 cents, 262.82. Select up 79 at 253.74. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry
10: Marble. Neighbor, I'll be darned if we didn't have the last sheep and goat sale of the season with Benny Cox at Producers and Cargyle this last Tuesday. Benny, stop down from your holiday revelry and tell us how it went. We started off with thirty seven hundred, and we sold fifty five ninety nine. Slaughter nannies sold in range one seventy to two twenty five, but mostly uh, one ninety to, to two fifteen. These slaughter billies, anywhere from two dollars and twenty cents up to up to three ten. Red on these uh, lighter end of these slaughter lambs from three dollars all the way to four forty. The heavier weights uh, from two sixty up to three sixty. Slaughter ewes they sell a range from one ten up to two dollars, but mostly uh, one sixty to one eighty three. These uh, kid goats they sell from Three ten to four fifty—that's on the killing end of them, uh, but mostly three sixty to around three ninety-five, uh, with some of these uh, feeders up to as high as four fifty-four. Benny, we've got sales coming up after the holiday. What do you anticipate? Well, our first sale is going to be Tuesday, January the fourth. I've been surprised; these numbers have held up as big as they have. I don't think these numbers could be big uh, until we get into maybe you know maybe April or so. And in cattle numbers, we've got along really well. These numbers have picked up some. From For us, you know, we got up in that 2000 range and 1700 and all that. I think most people have kind of gotten shit of, of most of their calf crops now. And I think everybody's going to be set back and, and worried about getting these right for hitting the ground now. Well, tell everybody how to contact you, Benny Cox. Then can call me on my mobile. is 325-234-4277. Office, same area code, 653-3371. Or they can always look at our web, which is com. I'm Larry Marble. We are Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau
0: Radio Network. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs closed higher on Monday. February hogs up 42 cents, 83.65. April up $1.07, 87.72. Class three milk was mixed. Nearby December down a penny, 18.42, 100 weight. January milk up 36 cents at 19.85. The cotton market finishing sharply higher, getting influence from outside markets. The Dow Jones, Energies, Metals, and Grains all finishing higher on Monday, and that helped to move cotton prices higher. March cotton up 316 points, closing at 112.28. May cotton up 278 points, 109.83. New crop December cotton up 123 points, 91.94 cents. Fears of a La Nina induced drought in Brazil and Argentina supporting corn prices. March corn up nine cents to close at 614 and three quarters. May corn up nine and a half, 616 and three quarters. While the new crop September contract was up five and three quarters, 578 a bushel. The wheat market pulled back on Monday, thoughts that we may be a bit overbought after the recent run-up in prices. July Kansas City wheat down seven and three quarters, eight thirty-eight and three quarters. July Chicago wheat down a nickel, eight dollars and three quarters of a cent. In the energy markets, January natural gas up thirty-five cents, four oh eight, February crude oil up a dollar eighty-nine seventy-five sixty-eight a barrel. The financial markets higher Monday afternoon. The Dow up 283 points at 36,234. The NASDAQ up 190 at 15,844. The S&P up 55 points, 4,781. That wraps up our look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on
1: the planet. Yeah.